Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. For most of us, our image of what goes on in an operating theatre comes from television and movies. We think scalpels, scrubs, face masks and beeping heart monitors. But what we don't envisage is robots and augmented reality glasses. But increasingly, modern surgery is incorporating these and other cutting-edge technologies for the benefits of the patient. So what does the operating theatre of 2022 look like? Well, Connor Green is consultant orthopaedic surgeon at the National Orthopaedic Hospital in Kappa. He joins me now. Uh, welcome to the, the programme, Connor. I, I was um, fortunate enough to be in an operating theatre to witness a cochlear implant once. And I realised then, as I nearly passed out with the severity of what was going on, uh, I realised that what we see on TV isn't always uh, very well reflected in real life. It is a, a it's a high pressure environment. The operating theatre. How has that changed over the last number of years when it comes to technology? It's certainly, uh, the 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 stakes are high, particularly when you're looking after with with children, and particularly when you're looking after uh, people who who don't have cancer and, and life threatening events because, or life threatening issues. Because obviously, when you make mistakes with someone who you're trying to help in terms of pain or function, uh, the consequences are more significant. As you say, it is it's it's high pressure as well because you're you're trying to not only get the operation right, but you're trying to get as much surgery as you can through the operating room that day. So I suppose with that in mind, the surgery that's happening that day has started planning about six weeks beforehand. So nothing can just happen uh, on the day. First of all, from the family's point of view, they need to be given time, they need to be given a date for surgery. And that's the beauty of Kappa, because it's an elective hospital. When we give parents a date, it, it, it doesn't change. Secondly, in pediatric surgery, there's a lot of specialized equipment, uh, particularly with the operations that we do in Kappa, and you have to order that in advance. Most of this equipment is not readily available and can't be just left on the shelf. So we talk about sets of equipment which we use for spines or limb deformity or certain types of uh, cutting of the bones. And there might be only 10 or 20 sets in the world. And so you've got to book these sets uh, well in, in advance. Wow. The other um, part of planning in the surgery, uh, whether it be spine surgery or limb deformity, you just don't come up with your plan for surgery um, on the morning for these cases. And we sit down well in advance uh, on the computer and we plan out uh, the operation that, that we're going to do. So certainly one of the major advances that we've had for the operating room begins before the operating room with the planning software. So what we're able to do now um, is put the child's bone into the uh, various computer programs that are available. One that we use a lot is called TraumaCAD. And we're able to make the cuts uh, on the bone uh, where we're going to straighten it. So one of the things we're dealing with in limb deformity is children who have uh, very short limbs or very crooked limbs. And what we need to do is to end up with a straight leg that's the same length as the other side. But actually, as you lengthen a leg, it can become more crooked, or as you straighten a leg, it will change in length as well. And uh, you don't want to end up creating a new deformity just to give you what looks like a straight leg. And so we plan through the computer using trigonometry 
where we're going to make the cuts, how much we're going to correct the bone by, how much we're going to lengthen um, the bone by. And then that helps us get the equipment uh, available for that. The other thing we need to plan in advance of surgery is, you know, how many staff we need, what staff we need available for the case, whether this is going to be a case that takes us an hour and a half and we all know we can get something to eat or drink after that, or whether we're going to be scrubbed for the next eight hours and we need to be hydrated and have enough nutrition for that uh, period of time. So uh, in terms of imaging, what sort of advances have we seen? Uh, because it, it's really important that you have a, a high definition 3D model of the area where you're going to perform surgery, because some of these areas are extremely small and the margin for error is, is, is really small as well, right? Yeah, c- correct. So um, in our practice, um, the smallest area and the, con- the, the, the kind of the the area which poses most risk is the spine. Hmm. Um, so the spine is your bony column, but within the spine is um, the, the spinal cord, which is the nerve that gives power and sensation to the arms and limbs. And so if that is damaged during the course of surgery, uh, a patient can end up paralyzed or with a loss of function in, in one area. So when you're talking about errors, the pedicle, which is the area of bone uh, that we put a screw into, uh, can be anywhere from four to six and a half or seven millimeters. But the screws that we put into those pedicles have to fill the entire bone. So you can be putting in a six millimeter screw into a six millimeter bone, which only means you've got a millimeter either side for error. And that becomes more significant when I tell you that we can't actually see the bone at the time of surgery. So we're only we're doing it by our knowledge of anatomy in the area or by feeling the bone with an instrument as we go down it. Why, so why can't you see the bone? When you open the spine at the, the back, um, you only see the back part of the spinal bone. You don't see the front part of the spinal bone. If you were to see the whole spinal bone, it would mean that you'd be removing the nerves and the blood vessels right. uh, all around the patient. So everything that we need to see is under cover in front of us. And so the traditional way of feeling or finding a pedicle is to take a sharp object, go down into that pedicle and if you feel like you're not in bone anymore, it's because you're not. And it's either that you've gone in towards the spinal cord or you've gone out towards some of the big blood vessels. So this is that the high risk wow. part of it, where it, most of us you know, spend years training so that we reduce the chances of one of these errors happening. But obviously, the bigger the deformity, the more risk there is with it. So, so what sort of imaging technologies then help with that? Yeah, where we've moved to now is that when we're, when we're talking about innovation in surgery, what we look for is improved patient safety and improved accuracy. And the imaging that we are using to reduce patient adverse events are along the side, uh, line of CT scans at the moment. So a CT scan is the best way of getting information about the bony structure and that's where we want to stay. And so in advance of surgery, we can do a CT scan now and the most common thing to be using the CT scan for now um, is for a thing called navigation. So the CT scan gives you a series of bony landmarks and what you do then in the operating room is you take a, a pen um, uh, which is connected to the computer and the computer tells you 
what part of the bone to touch. So if it tells you to t touch the spinous process, which is the sharp bit at the back of the spine, you touch that. And then there's various other anatomical areas. And then what the computer is able to do is to calculate where the um, bone is in a kind of a coordinate system within the operating room. So it now knows wow. that if all of these points are in these areas, then the other points should be um, calculatable in, in relation to them. The other way we can do this now is we can actually bring um, what we call O-arms, which are um, mobile CT scanners into the operating room. Uh, and we're working at the moment to get in one of those in Kappa. But what we do have is a kind of a lower uh, technology one, which is called a, um, a 3D C-arm. So we can acquire these 3D images in the operating room of the spine in Kappa and then put it into a coordinate system. So that means that when I take the sharp pedicle finding object in my hand, I can also now see it on the monitor and it will tell me where my hand is, is pointing more accurately. So talk to me then about um, the, the actual cutting, because uh, we have seen, you know, over the last couple of decades, the introduction of robot assisted surgery. Have we gotten to the stage where robots are, are, are taking more control of that globally or, uh, or has that reached surgeries in Ireland? So um, the use of robots in, in, in surgery, when you look at the, the general surgeons and the urologists and how they're using the robot, they use it where they control the arms of the robot uh, for cutting. In orthopedics, it's different. We use the robot uh, to improve the uh, accuracy of positioning. So when we were talking about the coordinate system before and how I can take my hand and put it in a certain direction what we actually use the robots for is to position we get the robot uh, to position its claw or its operating arm uh, where my hand should be going so we can use the ct scan in advance uh, to put the robot arm exactly where it should be and then the robot arm can hold a drill guide and then I can drill down that right. or the robot arm can hold a sign tool but the robots don't do the operation as such but they help us with with the accuracy because orthopedics it's like less advanced carpentry carpenters are much better um technicians than we are because they have more accuracy um, and so the robots and the all of this uh, is helping us the limitation of the robot at the moment is speed it's really slow and uh, that means the operating time for the patient increases and you can only do a certain amount of levels. So actually where we've what we've done in Kappa at the moment is we've used what's called a jig. So we take the three, we take the spine and we print it out in a 3D printed model. And then we uh, design a mold to each level that allows us to put that mold on the back of the child's spine in a sterile way uh, during the operation. And that shows us exactly where we want to put each screw. And so we can drill down that. Wow. And so that comes back and it, it improves two things. It improves the patient's safety because it shows us exactly where things could, should go. It improves our accuracy. Uh, and actually, this is much faster. So we've actually, instead of increasing our operating time, which you do with the uh, with the 3DC arms, uh, you've actually reduced your operating time. The other advantage to the staff is that, you know, we operate in 25-degree uh, operating rooms. And if you're using the other navigation, you have to wear lead for the entire procedure. And wow. so with the printed spine, we don't have to do that. 
you mentioned 3D printing here. Are we yet uh, um, inserting 3D printed sections of spine or, uh, or or do we have materials yet that are good to go for a, a growing body such as a child's when it comes to surgery, replacing things like bone or, or other materials in the body? Um, so it's being worked on. It's not com- it's not commercially available yet. Um, there's a lot of la- work going on in in RCSI, uh, where they're um, printing out different uh, synthetic or biologically inert uh, materials that will go in and allow bone to grow onto it. But in in limb reconstruction, which we do uh, a lot of in Kappa, we are three D printing uh, some of the um, the devices that go onto our external fixators. So we have now got things that are what we call compressors where we're able to compress the bone up and down we print out a little accordion structure we put it onto the the frame and what that does is it allows the bone to uh, compress and distract again and anytime you put pressure and then relax it again on a bone that speeds up healing so it's about getting the bone to heal faster uh, and then um, get it back uh, to get the the child back to their life uh, faster so, so is that's an external that's an external um, device as part of the cast or something? Is it? No. So what we do um, a huge amount of, and we're 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 certainly one of the busiest uh, hospitals in Europe for this uh, is limb deformity and limb reconstruction. So we look after children who either have uh, short legs or crooked legs. So children who could have a leg when they're fully grown of about um, leg difference when they're fully grown of about 20 to 25 centimeters. So in the past, that child would have been probably offered an amputation. What we can do now is we can put a frame on the outside of the leg, cut the bone, and then gradually, by about a millimeter a day, lengthen the bone, the blood vessels, the nerves, the skin, and we can lengthen the child's leg back down again. Now, it's an entire journey for the family. We see most of the children before they're born or just after they're born, and we talk the parents through what the options are. We do all of the procedures in a way that doesn't interfere with the child's education or the family as much as we can. But each of these kids can have this frame applied to the outside of their legs and go through the surgical journey for up to a year each time. So it's a big involvement uh, for the family and child, but it really improves the function. One of the areas that we do it a lot in uh, are children um, with um, who are um, shorter than average height. And so these children aren't the, the community isn't built for them. And so what we can do is lengthen these children by somewhere between 10 and 15 centimeters at each surgery. Wow. Um, and the device on the outside of the leg uh, allows us to do that. Um, the, that's another area that's really coming on in terms of innovation in the operating room. So we're now, instead of putting these frames on the outside of the leg, we're able to put the device inside the bone so that the child doesn't see the scaffolding on the outside of their leg at all. And we're able to use um, an external control device to activate an electric motor uh, in the nail. And that lengthens the bone uh, by about uh, a millimeter a day wow. as well. Oh my God, it's so complicated. Um, amazing work. Um, what about the, the AR element? Because I have, I did see in the early days of VR and AR, uh, you know, theoretical applications where you as a surgeon might have a pair of goggles that added a layer of information on top of what you were seeing to be able to assist you, perhaps using a 3D model of what you've scanned and overlaying it over the physical leg so that you knew exactly where to, to operate. Is that something that's still very far away? 
No, that's that's close, actually. And myself um, and one of my surgical colleagues, Enda Kelly, are hoping to start working with a company in the US um, soon. It's not our idea. You know, we're not getting any financial benefit from this, but we're hoping to drive it on in terms of the technology. So the augmented reality side of things, as you talk about, yeah, we'll be able to do the CT scan of the child's spine in advance. And instead of having to print it out, we'll get a, a virtual re, uh, or augmented reality rendering of that spine and we'll be able to position it over the child where it should be. And then, like you say, like the Apache pilots with they've got one eye covered in their helmet, we'll see in our right eye or our left eye, whichever we're uh, dominant in, uh, the spine laid over the child. And then in our other eye, we'll just see what we would normally see in the operating field. And so instead of relying on the computer to show us on a screen what's happening we'll actually be able to look around the child see the bone that runs around the spine and then very safely put our screws uh, down into the bone and that is where i think the future or i'm confident the future is going to be in terms of safety and accuracy for uh, for, for pediatric surgery because remember everything else up to now has increased the operative time and if you're increasing the operative time, you are putting the child at risk. Uh, you're increasing the risk of infection. You're increasing surgeon fatigue. And so you're increasing the risk of injury to the child. So I think the augmented reality in terms of spine surgery is definitely, it's close. We're in, I would say, the next two to three years are going to see a massive development in this. When I started this program, there were so many of these technologies that were just in their nascency and it wasn't really... Um, very clear how they might develop. It's very exciting to see them in surgery or coming to surgery very soon. Really fascinating um, chatting with you and hearing about your amazing work at Kappa. Connor Green, consultant orthopedic surgeon at the National Orthopedic Hospital. Thanks very much for your time. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.